Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 even though he was never at the church personally up to this point he wrote an epistle to this church that many scholars say is the greatest theological document ever written giants throughout church history even acknowledged this martin luther called it the purest gospel John Calvin said, if we have gained a true understanding of this epistle, we, we would have an open door to all the most profound truths of Scripture. And John Wesley said this, Paul labors to produce in those whom he writes a deep sense of the excellency of the gospel and labors to engage them to act suitably to it. The book of Romans is one of the most systematic books on key biblical doctrinal truths, but Paul didn't just sit down one day and say, I think I'll write a systematic theology to this church. No, the Holy Spirit moved him to pen these incredible truths in the midst of real life situations. It wasn't written in an ivory tower at the peak of a mountain. It was written right here in the midst of the, the difficulties of life, the trials of life, the mess of life, if you will. And so I think that we can look at this epistle today and we can say, yeah, there's key doctrinal truths that we need to learn, but it also applies to our life today. Even though Paul targeted the church in Rome, it wasn't to stay there. It was for the wider body of Christ through all ages at all times throughout all history. The first 17 verses of our passage this morning, the first 17 verses cover the introduction to the book of Romans. And what I want to do is look at briefly the person who wrote the epistle. I want to look at the people who received the epistle, and I want to look at the purpose that the epistle was written. But first of all, I want to look at the person who wrote the epistle. The person who wrote Romans is none other than the Apostle Paul. And I like the way he identifies himself in the introduction of this epistle, and I think you need to take note of this. There's three things we need to see. First of all, his humility. Paul was a humble man. We see this in the first verse where, it's, where he opens up, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. A servant of Christ Jesus. That term, a servant, was used in the Old Testament. It was used of people like Moses. It was used of Joshua, David. It was used of Isaiah, the prophet. And it was a high honor to have that title given to them. But in the New Testament, the word that's used here is the Greek word doulos, which meant really just a slave. In fact, it was used of those who would even row in the galleys of those Roman ships. It was one of the lowest terms that you can put on somebody. And so Paul says 
I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Literally, I am a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see his humility breaking out here. And if anyone was susceptible to pride, it would be the Apostle Paul. Because of the way he was educated, his achievements in life, which are talked about in Philippians chapter 3, he alludes to these. He says in verses 4 to 7, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He was a man that realized his relationship with God that in the midst of all of his earthly accomplishments, in the midst of all of his education, he says, that is all a loss compared to what I've gained in Christ. Now, he wasn't saying you throw all those things out the window. He was saying they take a back seat to Jesus Christ in my, in my life. And that's who I boast in today. You know, there's so many people today that, that boast in their achievements. Uh, you know, I even hear this sometimes with Christians. They talk about how educated they are or how successful they are in business. You know, I'm not against that, but I think what needs to be taken note of, those all need to be considered a loss in light of Christ, in what you've gained in Christ. Christ is our riches. And Paul realized that. And that's why he says, I am a slave to Christ. But he wasn't just a man of humility. He was also a man of authority. The apostle Paul refers to himself as an apostle. Now, the word apostle in the Greek can literally mean somebody who sent but Paul wasn't just somebody who was sent. He was one of the apostles that Christ himself had commissioned to go bring forth the word. Even though he wasn't part of the original 12 apostles, he was on the road to Damascus. And as he was going to persecute the church, he has an encounter with Jesus Christ on that road. And he falls to his knees. He gets saved that day. And Jesus commissions him as an apostle to bring forth the Word of God. And I think that's important to take note of today only because there's so many skeptics of the Bible. And one of the things you always hear is, man, that, that thing was just written by man. And that's not true. Men were instruments of God. God didn't fax the, the, his, his Word to us. He didn't send it by email. He used men of God who were instruments to pen the very words of God. And that's why Paul would say, all Scripture is God." breathe. So we see his authority in the beginning. So what Paul is going to write in the rest of the letter, we need to put our ears up. This is not just a word that Paul had penned. It's a word of God that he penned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul wasn't just a man with authority, though. He was a man of certainty. And I see this in the end of verse 1 where he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul uses that same language that Jeremiah the prophet used, that before I was in my mother's womb, you knew me. And Paul realized that as Jeremiah was set apart, 
before he even came into this world to bring forth the word of God, Paul realized himself being set apart for the gospel of God, which is so important for everyone to understand. We have to have that kind of certainty in this life. Paul was so focused and so certain about his calling in life that even in this epistle, he says that he's going to plant churches in Spain. He says in chapter 15, verse 20, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on somebody else's foundation. And then in verse 24, he says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul wanted to preach the gospel in Spain. He had already worked the Asian area and he had planted churches there and he wasn't going to build on somebody else's foundation. He was on his way to Spain. Why? Because he was so sure of his calling. You know, all of us are set apart for God for a special purpose in this world. We may not realize it at the time. You may be even thinking, oh, I, I trained myself for my career. I was the one who got my job. I was trained for what I did. I, I'm the one who, who stepped in and put the hard work in and, and trained myself up to be who I am today. Well, the Apostle Paul could have said the same thing as he was a leader at the top of the ladder in his social world. He realized that he was set apart for God even when he didn't realize it at that time. He now realizes that when he got saved, he realized everything he was trained for was for God. He was set apart. Have you come to that point in your life yet where you could say, I've been set apart for God's purposes and plans. I've been set apart for the gospel. See, you're not a carpenter. You're not an electrician. You're not a builder. You're not a ditch digger or a maintenance man. You are a Christian electrician. You are a Christian builder. You are a Christian probation officer. If you're a ditch digger, you're a Christian ditch digger. You are a Christian first and foremost, which declares that you have been set apart for the purposes of God. And if you're not living with that kind of certainty, you can change that today. You can come to this realization that in uncertain times, I can live with certainty. You know, the Apostle Paul had all kinds of uncertain times. He went to jail. He went to prison. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. Uh, you know, he went through a lot of persecution in his life. And when he was in jail, he didn't know if he was going to get out at that time. But he had this certainty and this focus in life that he sat in the palm of God's hands. And I think all of us need to live our lives that way to have a certainty. So we see Paul in, in the opening. He identifies himself, and those three things are so key. A man of humility. He was a man who carried authority, and he was a man with certainty. He knew his calling in life. So now that we've looked at the person who wrote the book of Romans, we now want to turn our, our attention towards the people who received the book of Romans, this marvelous epistle. And I want you to see how they're defined because when I look at the way they're defined, it gives me a confidence in the life I live today. And I love the way Paul, even though he's never been there, the way he describes them, because the way he describes them is true of all Christians. This just isn't for the believers in Rome. It's for all believers. Look what he says in verse 6. He talks about belonging to Jesus. He says, you belong to Jesus. 
belonging to Jesus, what better assurance is there in this life than belonging to Jesus? I've always appreciated the fact that I belong to Jesus. From day one, when I got saved and that weight of sin was lifted from me, I always appreciated the fact that now I belong to Jesus. I was even told that. That was a game changer in my life to know that as part of my new identity, I didn't belong to just any gang. I didn't belong to just any group of people. And it wasn't just belonging to the church. I actually belonged to Jesus. And in Jesus' high priestly prayer, he said when he was praying to his father, he said he's received all those that were given to him and he's not lost one of those. What better assurance could we have in this life than to actually know that we belong to Jesus Not only do they belong to Jesus, though, the Apostle Paul says they are loved by God. Look at verse 7, the first part. It says, to all those in Rome, there it is, the church in Rome, who are loved by God, who are loved by God. Man, can you imagine what this church felt like to know that the God of creation, the God of the universe, the one true and living God, in the midst of all the false gods in Rome, that this God who spoke everything into existence loved them. To hear those words in the culture that they lived in where life was discarded as trash many times. In fact, sometimes you would have women that would give birth to a baby. And when she would give birth to the baby, if it was a girl, the man may just discard the baby. The man would take the baby outside of the city walls if it was a female. And then the baby would die to the elements of the world or to to wild animals getting to it because life was not sacred. They didn't feel the love. And we live in a day where betrayal is becoming the norm, do we not? I mean, when we look at TV shows like 2020 or Forensic Files or Dateline, or, or American greed. People are used as nothing but, but stepping stones in this life, and many of them are betrayed. Uh, we, we see this everywhere. We live in a world that's brutal. But to know that we are loved by God is one of the most amazing things that you and I can receive in our lives. Have you received the love of God yet? You know, the love of God in the Old Testament is, is described as with the word has said. Has said. Do you know it just doesn't mean love? It means loyal love. We see this in the plans and purposes of God. He has never bailed on his people. And then when Paul gets to Romans chapter 8, he's going to give us one of those marvelous passages beginning with what can separate us from the love of God. And he goes into everything that could possibly humanly thinking separate us from God. And he says, none of that. We are more than conquerors in God who loves us. And God loves you today. So these people just don't belong to to Jesus. They're not just loved by God, but they're also called by God. And this is another beautiful statement. At the end of verse 7, it says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. They're called, which means God says, You, you, you. You, he, he plucks us out of the fire. He plucks us out of the gates of hell because he calls us. He calls us to be saints. Now, I want you to picture for a moment the immorality that existed in Rome. Many people have written about the sexual immorality, the orgies, the wild parties, the bathhouses of Rome. 
I think of those toga parties in college. I've heard about them where, where it's a Greco-Roman themed party where the, the alcohol flows and the sex is free and it's just one wild party. That pretty much described the way Rome was at that time. There were many people living a highly immoral life but Paul is saying, you were called to be saints. That word saints comes from the word hagios. It means either set apart, and it can mean holy person. In other words, God called us to live a holy life. He called the saints in Rome. He called the believers in Rome that you were a saint. You were to live a holy life. You were separated for God. And you and I are called to do the same thing. We can't use the culture as an excuse. They couldn't in Rome at the time. Rome was one of the most depraved cultures at the time. The emperors sometimes were involved in the worst kinds of immorality. And yet they couldn't say, I can't be a saint. I can't be a saint. Or God said, you don't need to be a saint here or during this time in history. No, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing in the culture. It doesn't matter what everybody else is living like in the culture. You and I are called to live as saints, separated for God. And when we do that, we're bright lights. Look what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. He says, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Man, so we're loved by God. We're called by God to live a holy life. And then what Paul says about this church, I think, is what they catapulted off in those first few uh, descriptions. That when they understood they belonged to Jesus, when they know that they're loved by God, when they know that they're called to live a holy life, then they're faithful to the Lord. So we've talked about the person who wrote the epistle of Romans. We talked about the people who received the epistle of Romans, this church in Rome. But now I want to talk to you just for a brief second about the purpose for the writing of Romans. And I believe there's two major purposes. One is pastoral and the other one is theological. The pastoral position Paul comes at him with is trying to heal division in the church. He's going to strengthen the church. He says he wanted to see them, he longed to see them, and he wanted to impart some spiritual gift to them, right? But also, he was wanting to bring unity in the church. He wanted to bring strength through unity. And the reason was is because you had Jews and Gentiles that were at odds. They weren't agreeing on certain things. This is why Paul had to address the position of the law in a person's life. This is why he had to deal with in chapters 14 and 15, holy days and what kind of food you eat, because the Jewish people were coming and they were saying, hey, you need to stick by the law. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the law of Moses. You need to honor this day and that day. So Paul is going to deal with that. But the reason he does is because he wants to bring unity. Now, Paul didn't plant the church in Rome. You need to understand that. And so the question is, how did the church start? I mean, Paul was the apostle of the Gentiles, planting churches everywhere. Who planted the church in Rome? Well, the church in Rome started on the day of Pentecost. Remember in Acts chapter 2, we see where Jews were there from all over the world. There were three feasts that the Jews had to make a trip to Jerusalem for. And one of those was Pentecost. If you were a Jewish male, you had to travel from wherever you lived to be in Jerusalem for an appointed feast. And one of those was Pentecost. 
And they were there on the day of Pentecost. And we know in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit was poured out. And the church was birthed at that time. And we see people from different nations or different countries that were present at the time, different Jewish people. And so Acts chapter 2 and verse, verses 9 and 10, it says, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and, and parts of Libya, and here it is, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome visitors from Rome. So on the day of Pentecost, there were actually people from Rome visiting when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So the 3,000 that got baptized that day, some of those were from Rome. And what did they do? They took their faith back to where they lived, and the church was birthed in Rome. But something interesting happened. In the year 49 AD, we had Emperor Claudius issue an edict that expelled all the Jews from Rome. And we know that this was due to uh, the, the friction that was going on among Jewish believers at the time because Suetonius says these words, since the Jews constantly made disturbances at the instigation of Christus, he expelled them from Rome. That's a Roman historian writing on the reason why he expelled the Jews, Christus referring to Christ. So there was debate going on between Jews and Gentiles at that time about Christ. And, and so his way of dealing with it was we're just going to get rid of all the Jews and he expels them. The Bible in Acts chapter 18 when Paul's in Corinth, the Bible refers to this expulsion that took place. So Acts chapter 18 verses 1 and 2 says, after this Paul left Athens and went to Corinth and he found a Jew named Aquila a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome and he went to see them. And so here's Quilla and Priscilla are in Corinth, the city of Corinth believers. Some people believe that Paul evangelized them, but I believe that they were already saved. And Paul connects with them in Corinth. And the reason they were in Corinth was because Emperor Claudius expelled all the Jews. And so overnight, pretty much, the church in Rome became all Gentile. Where foundational, it was all Jewish to begin with, and then Gentiles were added to the church. Well, when Claudius expelled the Jewish believers, it became all Gentile at the time. But then something else interesting happens. The Jews are allowed in back in Rome. So about seven years later, we know that the Jews made their way back to Rome and, and Paul in Romans chapter 16, verse 3, he says, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. The very people that he met in Corinth because of the expulsion, he now is greeting in Rome. They're back in Rome again. These Jewish believers now head back to Rome. They're part of the church. Paul greets them. But the problem is, Jews are coming back in and the Gentiles aren't really liking it. They're saying, hey, we don't need to stick to the law. And the Jews are saying you do need to stick to the law of Moses to be right with God. So there's this conflict going on within the church in Rome between Jews and Gentiles. And that's one of the reasons that Paul writes the epistle to Romans. He's going to put down the walls of division and he's going to try and bring the Jews and Gentiles together. That's why he talks about the position of the law of Moses. 
that that circumcision is not necessary to be saved. It's a circumcision of the heart. And the, the Gentiles can't boast against that. And so in chapters 9 through 11, Paul deals with the subject of, no, God is not done with the Jewish people. You're, you were grafted in and, and you cannot boast against the branch. So Paul is wanting to speak to them from a pastoral level, trying to put the division down in the church. But there's also a theological reason that Paul writes this epistle. And again, as we alluded to in, in the introduction, it's one of the most heavy doctrinal epistles in the entire Bible. And Paul is going to deal with a number of subjects. Uh, he'll deal with condemnation. He'll deal with uh, justification by faith. He's going to deal with sanctification. But I would say the overall theological purpose of the book of Romans can be summed up in one word, gospel. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977